School streets, you may have heard about them, but what exactly are they, and how do they affect the health and well-being of our young people? Thanks to research commissioned by the London Legacy Development Corporation and the Shift Innovation Agency, based at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, we now know that students at Mossbourne Riverside Academy are benefiting from improved air quality. After the traffic count had subsided, the air pollution stayed in the air for an additional six hours. Well, they were breathing in everything that the car was leaving behind, all the emissions, the brake dust, the tyre dust. That's Rose Carter, whose company led the research. This is the podcast from Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. School streets transform roads outside schools so that pedestrians and cyclists are prioritised at school start and finish times. The scheme tackles congestion and improves air quality, making it easier and safer to walk, cycle or scoot to school. I'm Abdul Rahim. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer for SHIFT. So SHIFT is based at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park and it allows uh, entrepreneurs and innovators and community organisations to carry out tests on the park to see if the, if the technology can then be used in real life on a bigger scale. And tell us specifically then about the work that you've been doing with Mossbourne Academy. So with Mossbourne Academy, the purpose of the test was to see if pollution is increased or reduced during certain times, especially around school drop-off uh, times. And their sensors were used to measure very, very specific particles that are in the air and to see if that was happening on a normal basis or was it because of uh, school drop-off and pick-up times. And what were some of the results then that you were able to come up with? So the results showed that uh, in the morning specifically there was a spike in certain kinds of uh, pollutants and uh, when there were interventions uh, introduced, so the test ran during a period where there were no interventions and then after the interventions and the test showed a significant drop-off of specific particles uh, that showed that actually interventions did make a difference. In general terms how important is this work in terms of the agenda that we have now around climate change and obviously our young people and keeping them as safe and healthy as we possibly can? And not only in terms of climate change because it can reduce obviously pollutants that helps with the climate change but as you mentioned with the health of our population and also the children specifically as there's a lot of evidence as to how much uh, children suffer at a young age where there's uh, heavy traffic and heavy pollution and that can be uh, a life-limiting situation. Do you think there's lessons to be learnt for other schools, other areas from the work that you've done? Certainly, I think uh, with this kind of uh, data, obviously we need uh, broader uh, research around this, but a lot of schools can and uh, local populations can learn how to help uh, reduce pollutants at specific times. As we said, especially something like uh, dropping kids off and uh, picking them up. So if that can work across, um, for example, the whole of London, as an example, then that would have a significant impact on the health and well-being of uh, our children. And how neat is it that you as a company, an organisation based at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, is able to help your local communities in this way? I think it's very, very important because around our park, we have a population approaching 1.2 million. So it's a significant amount of people around here. And it's very, very important as we are positioned as an innovation district 
and we want to carry out inclusive innovation, which means taking account of the population around us and coming up with any new ways and technologies to support that. So it's very, very important. And a lot of people, when they talk about legacy from the Olympic and the Paralympic Games of 2012, will think about whether it's the aquatic center or the velodrome. But how important has the legacy been in terms of building communities, both a school community here and a business community as well? I think it's very important. And this is one of the things because Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is so much associated with the success of London 2012. But there are over 400 businesses here. There are schools, as you mentioned, and it's a a whole ecosystem of businesses, community organizations, and people working. And very soon, uh, we're going to have five universities on on the park, 10 to 12,000 students coming in as well. So that that is an amazing ecosystem in a very small geographical area. And people will often think, won't they, about how big cities might be a place where pollution is prevalent, but in this new neighborhood to the east of London with these new communities, clean air is at the front and at the center of what you're doing. Absolutely, and the Olympic legacy has created that opportunity where we've been able to almost start with a blank piece of paper and immediately say that we want net zero, we want solutions that will help that kind of uh, situation and be a leader in London, if you like, if not nationally in terms of these areas. And net zero, you mentioned it there, is that the target? What is the future? That is the target. We're working very hard to make uh, the whole park uh, net zero, which means actually th there's a differentiation between net zero and uh, carbon reduction. Carbon reduction is after the event, so you produce carbon and you come up with solutions to reduce that. Net zero is actually producing less carbon or zero carbon in the activities we have, whether that's construction or whether it's uh, visiting sports arenas um, or coming to shop. The residents of the park, if I may call them that, are working very hard with us in terms of making the whole park net zero. Abdul Rahim, Chief Innovation Officer at SHIFT, who were behind this initiative. SHIFT was formed in 2022 by a number of leading organisations based at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. So far, it has enabled 20 trials in East London, working at the grassroots of innovation, as well as building connections and sparking collaboration. Shortly, we'll hear from Will Norman, London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner, about the wider impact of school streets. I would encourage everybody to have a look at the data that's been put out and the work that's been done in the school and by the park. Have a look at it, come and see it, and try cycling around the park. But first, let's get more detail on the research, how it was carried out, and some of these specific findings from the company, who were commissioned by Shift to undertake the project, following a similar trial at the Bobby Moore Academy in the run-up to COP26. My name is Rose Carter. I'm one of the founders here at Eternum Innovations. And we started this company because we were very excited about air quality. So Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is so beautiful. I mean, it has so many different use cases and it brings communities together from different backgrounds. So you have people living there, working there, commuting there, visitors, going out at night. In today's world, especially after COVID, where we are very particularly attentive to the air, particularly attentive to not catching something, it becomes so important to know what our air quality is. For every minute, we take 12 breaths. That's seven liters of air. So in one day, we take 11,000 liters of air, enough to fill a swimming pool. So air is so fundamental to our health. 
So how exactly do we measure air quality? I mean, what are we looking at? If we're thinking about the sensors, they have in them an optical particle counter that measures particulate matter. And particulate matter ranges from 0.3 microns to 12.4 microns. So to just to put that in a more visual reality, if you take one strand of hair, the cross-section of that is 70 microns. So when you're thinking about what you're breathing in each day or every minute, you're breathing in all these particulates. And, and so what we do is we measure the sizes of particulates. What we were doing, we were looking at particulates 2.5 and less and 10, particulate 10 and less because PM 2.5 is basically the brake dust, the tire dust and PM 2.5 is everything that goes into your lungs and then find its way into your bloodstream. It's that small. Particulate 10 is PM 10 microns is a little bit bigger. It's the equivalent of, it could be pollen or it could be salt in the air. And then what we also measure are the gases. So nitrogen dioxide is a direct emissions gas from cars and, and there's a direct relationship there. And nitrogen dioxide is also harmful to the health. These sensors will measure particulate matters, the gases, and then also taking into account environmental factors because as you're breathing um, this particulate matter, we need to know what the temperature, what the pressure, what the humidity is because that plays a part also in where that particulate matter is going or is it staying in the air and where is it migrating to. So the sensor basically takes a look at your environment. So we know you've been involved in a few projects at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Tell us how they've been using your sensors. We put five sensors at the Mossbourne Riverside Academy. We put four sensors in the front of the school where they had this um, school street intervention. And we put one sensor in the back. And you can see in the back that there is a canal. And with air quality and air pollution, it's very dynamic. So it's, it's a factor of emitting source plus the environment. So different environments will create particulates to stay in place or if the wind will dissipate them. And so there won't be much effect on, on us as we walk or as the, on the children as they're um, sitting in school. So the measurements were made many times during the hour. The sensors were showing different types of behavior in the colder months versus the warmer months. In the colder months, because we were seeing an increase of people using heating, the particulates were quite high. They would, during drop-off, they would uh, peak, and then right after the cars left, they would immediately drop. But then in the afternoon, they would start to rise after pickup, and they would continue to rise, and they would stay at an elevated part. And that was quite interesting, because it showed that the environmental factors of heating, um, in the winter, or folks using their cars more, played a big part in keeping the pollution in the air. In the warmer months, we had less of a peak with the um, nitrogen dioxide and the particulates. Where we saw wind, we saw less of the particulates staying in the air. So in this case, you can surmise that people were walking more, that they were using other ways of getting to their um, destinations. So you talked there about seasonal variations, but what were some of the other findings you found at Mossbourne Academy? You see on the morning drop-off, the impact of traffic, PM 2.5 would peak quite high, but then as soon as the cars left, there would be an immediate drop-off. 
Um, and that would be even more with nitrogen dioxide. You, you see the difference between before school street and then after school street, you're seeing it down towards 17 micrograms per meter cube. So you're seeing it at such a, such a big delta, um, showing the importance of the school street intervention. And then as we look at the type of particulates, you're seeing here a spike before the school street intervention, but then you start to seeing a, a leveling off. So I think that, that was quite interesting for us to, to see that. And with nitrogen dioxide, there is a direct correlation with cars. And so before school street intervention, nitrogen dioxide was extremely high. After school street intervention, it dropped immediately. And in this case, it stays less in the environment than the particulate matter does. So we found a lot of very interesting correlations that we thought confirmed that school street interventions really made an impact uh, positive impact for children at schools. Rose Carter from Eternum. The monitoring Rose was talking about there began in July 2022, before the school street was introduced. It continued until July 2023. The school street was implemented the previous February. Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is spread across 560 acres of stunning parklands, the home to beautiful landscape gardens, historic waterways, famous sporting venues and a vibrant arts and events programme. At the heart of the new East London, the park is still transforming, providing homes, jobs and an unrivalled education and cultural district. For the man in charge of getting Londoners out of their cars, the school street at Mossbourne Riverside Academy is just another example of how Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is leading the way. Hi, my name's Will Norman. I'm London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner. My job pretty much does what it says on the tin. It's how do we get more people walking, more people cycling across London. And this is all part of the mayor's ambition to create a greener, fairer London for everybody. And how important then is what is happening at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in managing and delivering that expectation? I think what's happening at Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is really important because, you know, a lot of my job is about retrofitting uh, walking and cycling infrastructure into existing parts of London, old medieval bits of the city. But the park is a new part of London and it's being built for the 21st and 22nd centuries for people to live and enjoy. And we all know that living in a place that is got clean air, greenery around you, that's safe for your kids to, to walk, cycle, scoot to school is absolutely paramount in people's thinking. And you mentioned children and school there, and we've been hearing in this podcast about a specific example, which is the Mossbourne Riverside Academy. Tell us why school streets are so important in your work then. Well, school streets are such a, it's such a brilliantly simple idea. You know, the idea is, as you're sure you know, you close off the road to motor vehicles at drop off time and pick up time. And lo and behold, you get fewer motor vehicles. It becomes safer for kids to walk, cycle and scoot. But as this evidence shows, it also helps clean up London's air and the air, particularly around the school. What's great about this example, it not only shows the drop in pollution at drop off time and pick up time, but what's brilliant is that it shows how that's sustained throughout the whole day. Now this scheme is in, those kids are breathing in cleaner air throughout their whole time at school, and that's good for their health and well-being. In addition to the air quality benefits that school streets bring for kids, 
What I think is really exciting and what is a real game changer for London is that if the roads are safer around schools, people are more able to walk, cycle, scoot to school. Now that means kids are active. And we all know that if kids are active, they do better. They do better in terms of their health, their well-being, their educational attainment. In fact, everything in terms of their sort of future outcomes is better if kids are physically active. So these streets help design physical activity into their lives. And what the most important piece of that is, is all the science shows that those behaviours that you pick up early on in life, when you're at school, when you're in primary school, those are the behaviours that stick. There's that stickiness. People who walk, cycle and are active early in life are far more likely to be active for the rest of their lives. And that means in the future, as their park continues to grow and welcome more people and more people live there and grow up there, that is shaping a London that is even greener, even cleaner, even healthier and ultimately more successful for everybody. So are we changing habits here? That's exactly what we are doing. By changing the environment, by changing the street to make it safer, to clean up the air, you are changing habits. You're enabling people to make better decisions, cleaner, healthier, environmentally friendly decisions. And you can see it outside that school. I invite anybody who's in the park to wander past Mossbourne Academy first thing in the morning or any time of day. You'll see lots of kids cycling to school and coming away from school. Even during the day, what you'll see as you go past, a bike stands full of kids' bikes. Now, that's what I'd like to see in schools across the whole city. And this initiative, turning Hackney and the park working together to, with the school to create that school street, is a genuine game changer. And I guess for you, exciting as well, that with Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, you had this blank piece of paper, so you could design it from scratch to make it accessible with cycle paths and with safe routes to walk to school. That's exactly right. And what's really exciting about Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park at the moment is that you're seeing not just the landscaping mature with all the trees and grass and everything else looking stunning as it has been this summer and will continue to do in the autumn. What we're also seeing is the infrastructure mature. So you're seeing the park building in the bike lanes, changing the roads to make them safer and, uh, and doing initiatives like this to allow kids to get to school in a clean, sustainable way. And what I love about coming to Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park is even though you've got big venues there, you've got lots of activities there and you're moving lots of people in and out of the park, it's a quiet, calming environment because it's not clogged with traffic. That is exactly right. And the changes that the park are making now and are continuing to invest in will just make that even better into the future. And I think that's what everybody wants for that area um, now and for the next uh, 200 years. That's London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner, Will Norman. This is the podcast from Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. For more information, visit our website, sign up to our e-newsletter and follow us on social media.